Welcome to the Horizon Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our mission as a church is to win people to Jesus Christ, disciple people in Jesus Christ, and send people for Jesus Christ. If you'd like to learn more or partner with us, simply go to horizon.org. We hope this episode encourages you in your walk with Jesus as you continue to grow in His love and truth. Now, let's join Pastor Bob as we study God's Word together. Joshua chapter 2. You know what? It's interesting. Probably the uh, most famous valley, now that we're in this Victory in the Valley series, most famous valley we're looking at tonight uh, is the Jordan Valley. So much of the ministry of Jesus goes on. So many miracles. So many baptisms happen here in the Jordan Valley. And Joshua chapter 2 introduces us really to this valley and the largest city that was found in the Jordan Valley, that being Jericho, it was fortified. Uh, It was famous for its walls. It was famous for its walls. It was famous for its wars. And it's interesting because Jericho with this Jordan Valley is at a crossroads or a cross section of three continents. Kids, a little history lesson for you. You can remind your parents of it later. You have Africa to the south, you have Asia to the east, and you have Europe to the west, and they all converge here in the Valley of Jordan at the city walls of Jericho. It was known for its fortification because of that. It was a very strategic plot of ground. But right now, in the story that we find ourselves in, where Joshua 2 is concerned, they are on high alert. They're on high alert because they're looking out over the walls and they see a million-man army. They're wondering what in the world is going to take place. What's next? What's going to come of our city? What's going to come of our valley? And it's fascinating as they look out over the walls of Jericho, out across the valley of Jordan, seeing the Israelites camped out, Moses now replaced by Joshua, with a cloud giving them shade during the day. And if you've been to that Middle Eastern region and climate, I'm telling you what, what we're getting a little glimpse of here in San Diego just doesn't even compare to what they have to endure and live with on a regular basis. But there was no cloud cover for Jericho. They're like, no cloud for us, but there's clouds for them. They're under the cloud. And at night, this beaming, glorious pillar of fire that was hovered over the camp of the Israelites and the folks of Jericho, the inhabitants of Jericho, began to wonder with amazement and fear, terror and question as to what was going to happen next. Let me show you what happens next. Joshua chapter 2 verse 1, now Joshua the son of Nun sent out two men from the Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go and view the land, especially Jericho. And so they went. And they came to the house of a harlot named Rahab. And they lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, have entered your house, For they have come to search out all of the country. And the woman took the two men and she hid them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I don't know where they're from. And it happened as the gate was being shut when it was dark that the men went out. 
Where the men went, I do not know. A little bit of a fib right there. It's a time of war. And she's beginning to now switch her allegiances. I hope you grabbed a piece of notepaper. I, got, I hope you got some to jot some. I got some, I got some points for you. Here's, here's, here's one that sort of like pops off the page. I don't know, I don't know where they're from. And, and it happened as the gate was being shut when it was dark. They, they went out. Where they went, I don't know. I don't know which way they went. But if you pursue them quickly, you'll overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. And the men pursued them by the road of the Jordan to the fords, and as soon as those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. And before they lay down, she came to them on the roof, and she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. That was 40 years ago. But the news has traveled to Jericho. We heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for, for, you, for you came out of Egypt and and, and when you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on one side of the Jordan, Sinon and Og, and, 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 and you utterly destroyed them. And, and as, as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. Remember four times in Joshua chapter 1, God says to Joshua what? Be strong and courageous. Look what she says. As soon as we heard of these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in, a, in anyone, in any one of us, because of you, for the Lord your God. Here's her proclamation. He is God. He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now, therefore, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. Give me a pledge. Give me your word. Spare my father and spare my mother, my brothers and my sisters and all that I have and deliver us our lives from death. And the men answered and said, our lives for yours. What a trade. What a thought. What an exchange. Our lives for yours. If none of you tell this business of ours, and it shall be when the Lord has given us the land, there's a proclamation of faith. When the Lord has given us the land, that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Then she let them down by a rope through a window. For her house was on the city wall, and she dwelt on the wall. And she said to them, get to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you, and hide there three days. I'm always fascinated when three days show up in Scripture, aren't you? Hide there for three days until the pursuers have returned, and afterwards you may go your way. So the men said to her, we will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear, unless when we come into the land you bind this line of scarlet cord to the window through which you let us down, and unless you bring your father and your mother and your brothers and all your father's household into your own home, so it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house and into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the, in the house, his blood shall be on our head, on our hand. 
if a single hand is laid on him. And if you tell this business of ours, then we'll be free of this oath that you made us swear. And she said, according to your word, so be it. She sent them away and they departed. And she bound the scarlet cord in the window. Fast forward with me real quick, church. Go up to Joshua chapter 6. Kids, grab your kazoos. You know what happens, don't you? Exactly how long it takes between chapter 2 and chapter 6, nobody knows. Could have been months. She didn't lose her faith. She didn't lose her courage. She didn't lose her confidence. She didn't lose her hope. And the Israelites began to get themselves ready for the war of all wars, the battle that the Lord promised he would give them the victory in the valley, regardless of the fortified height and size and thickness of the walls of Jericho. Look at verse 20. Joshua 6, verse 20. You got it? Say, got it. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets, and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. People went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Come on, kids, let me hear the kazoos. Let me hear the trumpets. Let me hear you blast those things. When the people shouted, come on, Horizon, let me hear a big, hearty Saturday night service shout. Come on, a big shout from the people of God. The trumpets blew, the horns honked. The Katinas were here a couple weeks ago. They called you a bunch of honkies. Okay, so... The people went up into the city, every man straight before him. They took the city and utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman and young and old and ox and sheep and donkey with the edge of the sword. But Joshua, everyone say, but Joshua. But Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the country, go into the harlot's house and from there bring out the woman and all that she has. As you swore to her and the young men who had been spies went in and they brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brothers and all that she had. And so they brought her out, her relatives, and they left them outside the camp of Israel, but they burned the city and all that was in it with fire. Only the silver and the gold and the vessels and the bronze and the iron they put in the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua, verse 25, spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household and all that she had, so she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Can you say victory tonight? Victory in Jesus' name. I wanna just talk for a few minutes and we'll celebrate communion together about what's at the end of your rope. Here you have the slave of all slaves, Rahab, living on the city walls of Jericho strategically to meet all of those travelers who would show up smelly, sweaty, and the transformation that happens in her life is literally the story of the gospel. It's a story of victory. It's a story of victory for a victim in a very, very deep valley. And she becomes famous throughout the pages of Scripture. Somewhere, somehow, she heard about the Passover. She heard that if the family members got into the house and the blood was sprinkled on the lentils and on the doorposts, they would be spared, they would be saved from the death that she knew was not only 
the story that had come to the inhabitants of Egypt, but what she knew was also coming to her city of Jericho. She knew if she brought her family together, if she shared with them, they would be spared by the picture of what that scarlet cord represents by the blood of Jesus. That's what communion's all about. We take it, we proclaim it, we hold it up, we endear it to our hearts, we allow it to unite us with the Lord Jesus Christ, and until he comes back, we proclaim his Lord's death, his, the Lord's death until he comes. Because that's the only way we get out of destruction that is headed for our city. She becomes a part of the lineage of the family of faith you know throughout the ages, spoken of in the genealogies of the New Testament, spoken of actually in James chapter 2, where James mentions two characters, two examples in the Old Testament, one being Abraham and how it was accounted unto Abraham because of his faith, it was accounted unto him for righteousness. And the second example that James mentions, come on, anyone? Rahab the harlot, how it was given unto her because her faith was put in action. And then he says that most famous statement in James chapter two, that the body without the spirit is dead, so is faith without works dead also. Just like Leland said, this is a time for us to be acting on our faith, to be trusting in our Lord, to have our eyes fixed on Jesus. They just declared that that, piece of paper that was signed between Israel and the EAU, Arab nations of the Middle East, will now be called, literally, I'm not making it up, the peace treaty. And the Bible says, when they declare peace, peace, then comes sudden destruction. The destruction that comes upon Jericho is a soon destruction that is to come upon this country and to come upon this land, and there's only one way you get out. You see, that cord represents the blood of our Lord and Savior that was shed for you and that was shed for me. I asked the guys if they could grab me a scarlet cord, and they were all sold out at Home Depot. I don't know how many people are preaching on Rahab this weekend. Sold out at REI, so we called one of our firemen who attends the church here, and this literally is the chief's rope from Solana Beach Fire Department. Hoping he doesn't need it out in Alpine right now. But there's that picture of a scarlet cord that she lets the spies, the two witnesses for that matter, that have come in to spy out Jericho. Two witnesses in the book of Revelation. An amazing picture of what's been made available for you and for me. When I was a kid, we used to have soap on a rope. And one, sometimes, you know, for Christmas, that I'd find that in the stocking. This tonight is hope on a rope. And I wonder what's at the end of your rope. She makes a stand. She was standing out in Jericho for something else, and now she stands out for something entirely different. Those that make a stand, stand out. And those who don't, don't. I wonder how strong our stand is in light of all that's happening in the world. She makes a stand not only for herself, but for her entire family, for her mom, for her dad, for her brothers, for her sisters, no mention of a husband. 
Probably doesn't quite fit in her line of work, but it's not like she went back to that line of work after this amazing victory in faith that she receives as she meets these spies. She's in. She's part of something new. She claims it. She holds on. She binds it. The Bible says she didn't just sort of like think about it. She bound that rope. It's, it's literally an, a, a, a very fascinating word of binding something so serious in your heart and in your life. She'd fallen in love with the God of Israel. And she starts by saying, your God's become famous here. We've heard about your God. And then it becomes the God, and then it becomes her God. She's heard about Passover. She'd heard about the story of Noah's Ark and how they too, like her family, was needing to get inside her house, how Noah's family was very much in need of getting inside that ark before it was too late. We've raised our kids in the church believing that that is a picture of the ark and the family of God that the Lord Jesus Christ loves to show up and bless and have fellowship and witness with. As Leland was singing, it reminded me of the years, decades that this young kid has come and poured his heart and his life into this church and into, into our family. We raised him in the church. They turned out well. Our kids all love God and they're all serving the Lord Jesus Christ but I remember a number of years ago when Matt, our youngest, was going to pick up his girlfriend and take her home, and Leland was here with us. And Leland sat Matt down, face to face, nose to nose, eye to eye, and Leland said, Matt, I wanna pray for you before you go pick up your girlfriend. And Matt was like, I don't know, barely into his driver license years, like been 16 for a week. And he's like, okay, you wanna pray, pray. And Leland, looking deep in his eyes, said, bow your head, Matt, because I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray this, that if you have any ill will or sinful intention with that girlfriend McKenna of yours, that God right now would strike you dead. You'd drive off a cliff. You wouldn't even make it. I don't know how much it got Matt's attention, but it sure got mine. How serious are we about the things that Rahab becomes serious about? Because there's only one thing between you and destruction, and it's what the Scarlet Lord represents, the salvation that is found in Jesus Christ. Here's what happens. She receives a new life. She receives a new life. She, she recites, she, 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 in faith, receives this new meaning, this, this new purpose there. God became her God and filled her house with something entirely different than her house had been filled with up until that point. Secondly, you know what else she does? She not only believes, she disavows. She disavows her old allegiances to the worldly king. So I don't know, that's worth writing down. You might just make it a checklist for you. You're like, Bob, I, I believe. Maybe you're here tonight, you've been invited. You haven't put your faith and your trust in the hope that is available to you, a cord that has been let down from the window in heaven, an arm of a savior, that before it's too late can save you. 
She receives that. She believes in that. But secondly, she disavows her old allegiances. And she does so, church, prior to any sign of the deliverance actually coming through. She disavows her allegiance to the worldly king by faith as she puts her life in the hands by faith of this new meaning and person of the God that she now knows is the one who rules in all of the heavens as well as on the earth. She quit serving the system. She quit bowing down to the God of this age. Clearly in the story, Joshua represents Jesus. You're like, Bob, how do you know that? Because Jesus literally, in Hebrew, is the word Joshua. When Mary, get this moms, when Mary leaned over her baby's crib, she called him Joshua, Yeshua. Joshua represents for us the saving grace and deliverance that is found in the name Yeshua. The king of Jericho represents the king of this world, the enemy, the devil. And Rahab, well, if you haven't caught on quite yet, that's us. Read the book of Hosea. The redeemed who by no stretch of anyone's imagination would ever deserve the grace and forgiveness and mercy that both she and myself and Leland and all of us, if we're honest, have received. Thirdly, she hides them under the flax. You know, flax throughout Scripture is very fascinating because it was literally the seed through which clothing was woven and Specifically, linen clothing came from flax. And linen clothing is what the priests would wear. In fact, linen is what you will wear, according to the book of Revelation, when you're in heaven. In fact, according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it was linen that Joseph of Arimathea dressed Jesus in for burial. It was a sign of purity. It was a sign of hope. It was a sign of belief. And she hides those spies in the flax on her roof. But not only does she hide them, she remains hidden with her family under those flax that remained on her roof for however many weeks or months or maybe even up to a year before Israel finally came and began to surround Jericho. Surrounded it without saying a word and marched around it one time, one time only. For one day, for two days, for three days, for four days, for five days, for six days. And on the seventh day, they went around seven times. And boy, were they ready by then to scream. They were ready to shout. They were ready for the victory in the valley. And she remained faithful in that place of which all of us find our only Hope of purity under what that linen represents. The washed, clean life that is found 
in the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Fourthly, she puts her hope in the rope. The word cord or line or rope that shows up in this passage is most fascinating in the sense that it is the same Hebrew word for rope that is the same Hebrew word for hope. In fact, the Israeli national anthem is called Hatikva. Hatikva literally means the hope. But tikva is the word for rope. It's a play on words. And here she puts her faith and hope, as I pray you will tonight, in what this rope represents because it's exactly the same as you take that bread and you take that cup. And partake with me in trusting and believing that it's only by his good grace and his perfect sacrifice that we could ever be washed and dressed in linen. You see, it doesn't matter who you are. If a pagan Canaanite prostitute can come to Christ and be included in the family, it doesn't matter who you are. And it doesn't matter what you've done, church. Her red light became her red line of hope and trust because she realized and believed, as I pray you will tonight, that there is nothing more powerful in the world, nothing more powerful, nothing stronger than the blood of Jesus. I think she checked that window every day. I think she knew what it meant to live ready. And that's how we need to live. Ready for the Lord's return. Believing that it's strong enough. Believing that it'll hold. It'll hold your whole weight. It'll take care of your past. It'll lead you through your present. And it'll secure your future. And this gal, just in case you were interested actually ends up becoming the mother of a of a kid named Boaz who grows up and meets a gal named Ruth who together have a kid named Obed who together have a kid named Jesse who together have a kid named David of whom the Lord Jesus Christ if she fits everybody fits she's in the family and the Lord Jesus Christ, his arm can save you like it saved Rahab. His rope can hold you full weight, past, present, and future. That same meaning of the rope is the combined meaning of communion. The scarlet thread is a picture of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we partake of communion, as Leland comes out to lead us in a song, I would just love for you to bow in reverence and gratefulness for all that the Lord has done for you. You received that communion on the way in, packaged, a little bit different because of the season that we're in, but just as symbolic, just as meaningful as it's ever been, I pray maybe even tonight because of Rahab and her story of transformation and and. And, and the love and mercy to which the Lord extends to her, it would mean even more to you. God, we thank you that Rahab is in the Bible. We thank you that Rahab is included in your family tree. 
We thank you that because of her, there's hope for all. Maybe with your head bowed, you could just pray before we partake. In a prayer, something like this. Just say, Lord, I want the same victory that Rahab received. I place my faith in you just like Rahab did. I come under the covering of your grace and pray you'd sprinkle your sinless, precious blood upon my life that my sins that are scarlet would become white as snow. Bind my life with yours. For you are my only hope. My redeemer. My deliverer. I put my full weight and trust in the matchless, mighty, powerful name above all names. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And everyone said, as you feel led, crack open that little packet, grab the wafer that represents his body, and the cup that represents his blood, as Leland si sings this closing song. Let's worship him together. Thanks for joining the Horizon Church podcast with Pastor Bob. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast channel. And if this message has blessed you, please share it either directly or on social media. If you live in the San Diego area, we'd love to have you join us at a weekend service. Or to catch our live stream, visit horizon.org slash live every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Pacific. If you'd like to learn more or partner with us, simply go to horizon.org. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll see you next time.